0: today on Real Life Radio.
1: The Bible tells us love has been completed or perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, that is as Jesus is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love because what? Perfect love casts out fear. That's our marching orders.
0: This is Real Life. Welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs. I'm David J. thanking you for joining us today as we listen, learn, and are challenged by God's Word, the Bible. Jesus warned us that in the end times, deception, like a virus, will spread like wildfire. Disguised as the answer to all our problems, our secular culture can only offer replacements to the truth. The good news is that the truth of the Bible is the cure. In Pastor Jack Hibbs' new book called Living in the Days of Deception, he exposes the lies with knowledge, experience, and scripture. In a world of deceit, this book is a powerful tool for answers and for truth. From the inspiring forward written by Mike Pompeo to the final chapter, Living in the Days of Deception is a powerful must-read. Let the deception of this world stop here. Order Living in the Days of Deception today by making a gift of any amount to the ministry of real life. Order now and you'll receive exclusive bonus video content by Pastor Jack. Go to jackhibbs.com days. That's D-A-Z-E, days. jackhibbs.com slash days. On today's edition of Real Life Radio, Pastor Jack continues his new series called What Jesus Christ Sees in His Church, Part 2. Now, 1 Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul to the Church of God in Corinth. And this is a study on how to stay true to the gospel message of Jesus Christ and how not to be caught up in human-born philosophies. You see, the church in Corinth had lost its purpose, having been carried away by the city's affluence and economic prosperity. But Jesus, He had a specific purpose for His church, and if His church loses its light... Well, it loses its influence in the world. So today, Pastor Jack teaches us that as Christians, we are called to be servants of Christ, living and sharing God's love as he did while he was here on earth. Now, with his message called What Jesus Christ Sees in His Church, Part 2, here's pastor and Bible teacher Jack Hibbs.
1: So, Father, we pray that you would anoint the message to our hearts, cause your word to jump off the page and into our soul. We ask it now in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Grab your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I do mean that. We're really going to get into the first chapter of Corinthians today. We're looking at a message that's entitled, What Jesus Christ Sees in His Church. And I find these first three verses incredibly encouraging because what Jesus Christ sees in his church we looked a little bit at last week and the fact that Corinth was a, a decadent city it was a it was a place where and by the way since I saw you last I uh, kept reading and studying up on Corinth and um, there were those labels that I shared with you that if you were a Corinthian that was a bad word uh if you called somebody a Corinthian you were basically calling them a very immoral person. Um, there were uh, slang words used uh, that spoke of the decadence of the city and of the people there in Greece. Um, but in, in the midst of all of that, God sent his apostle Paul to start a church at Corinth. And I found it interesting also, I didn't point it out last week, that as Paul left Jerusalem, and you remember the map as they headed up north, went out into Turkey today, uh, and out in that region of what would be part of Eastern Europe, and then down into Greece, and then back home over to Jerusalem, that as he made that great circuit on his second missionary journey, I found it interesting that every time Paul would go to a city and preach the gospel, for example, he would show up at Philippi or Or at Thessalonica, he would preach the gospel, and he would pretty much stay there until he got thrown out of the city. Did you know that? He was actually driven by persecution to the next city to preach the gospel. And it's very cool because one of the shortest stays that he had was at Thessalonica, only four weeks before they drove him out of town. But with each opportunity, church, we need this kind of mind, that with each opportunity of Paul being attacked, rather than him do what you and I would be tempted to do, maybe not you, but I would be tempted to do, is fold up shop, sit down in the corner and suck my thumb until mom came, not Paul. Paul packed up his entourage and moved on to the next city to preach the gospel, The guy was unstoppable because Christ had become so real to him. He not only saw the risen Lord on the Damascus Road in his great conversion, but he had seen the power of God in that when he preached the gospel, everywhere he preached the gospel, there was a contingency of believers left behind. It's a wonderful thing. But Corinth being so nasty, so Hollywood Vegas-like, How does Jesus see his church? Well, keep this in mind. The Bible tells us in Matthew 16, 16, that Simon Peter answered and said unto Jesus there at Caesarea Philippi, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And that's in response to Jesus' question, who do men say that I am? And in verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, or Peter, Simon, uh, son of Jonah, his dad's name. For flesh and blood is not revealed this is unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church and the what? Gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Number one, that's what Jesus Christ thinks about his church. And that's what he knows. And that's how he sees it as, is a victorious church that the gates of hell itself will not prevail against it. Here's the deal. There's a lot of talk these days about not being involved in a church that you should only be involved in a in a little home group and no church. I believe that you should be involved in a church and a home group. I believe that as this church grows that you should believe you should uh, uh belong to and get into more and more small groups as the church continues to grow. Church, listen, you guys, Calvary, we see both things happening in scripture. We see Peter preaching the message and what happens? 3,000 people get saved in Jerusalem in an instant. What happens after that? The church not only grows, but you find themselves gathering together from home to home, house to house, in fellowship. No doubt it was like uh, some sort of a demographic type fellowship, and you can do that here in this church. Whatever your zip code is, we can get you plugged in to other believers in your zip code region in a home fellowship, but... The church is more than just a building. You know that. The church is more than just someone saying, no, we should be just a group of 10 only. It's more than that. And the church is more than thousands of people. The church is a living, breathing organism. How does Jesus see his church? It is absolutely exciting to see how he sees it because can't Jesus see very, very far? Can't he see really good? So we need to learn from him about how he sees the church. And listen, how he sees the church is how you and I should see each other. So let me read it, and we'll dive into our first point. First Corinthians 1, beginning at verse 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth. To those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints... With all who are in every place, call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Church point number one, jot it down. What Jesus sees in his church is this. Number one is found in verse 1. And it's that Jesus Christ sees us specifically purposed. Can you put that down? Specifically purposed. You see, what does that mean? That means that the Lord saved you and I for a very, very specific purpose, and you are an individual in whom Christ has greatly invested himself this way. Number one, as we consider that, is that we are the sent ones, and I want you to look at this. Look at verse one. You and I are the sent ones, and we join in with Paul. He says, Paul called to be an apostle. All of you Bible students, pull out your pen or your pencil and mark this down right now. In the literal Greek, in the original letter to the Corinthians, it reads this way. Paul called an apostle, not to be an apostle. That was added by the King James translators. That's why some of your Bibles have it in italics. It's to help the English reader better understand. But the truth is, the Greek construction means this. Paul is called an apostle. He doesn't become an apostle. He's been declared an apostle by Jesus Christ. Do you remember, do you, on the road to Damascus when Paul was converted meeting Jesus Christ, read about it later in the book of Acts, that in that moment when Christ called him, there wasn't a hoop that he had to jump through. Listen, church, there wasn't a class that you had to graduate from before you could become a member. I'm not slamming any denomination that you may represent here this morning. I'm simply saying this, are you born again? Have you given your heart to Christ? Are you uh, a believer in Jesus? Are you trusting in him? Then listen, you are in the family of God. You are in the church of God universally that is around the world. The moment that you trusted in him and listen, you do not become a member of the body of Christ. You may become a member of the first bapticostal of Chino Hills. That's man-made ritual. And I'm not knocking it. We say Pastor Jack, aren't you having a baptism class today? Yes, to explain that you are to have and make sure you have a personal relationship with Jesus before you get wet. You don't want to get wet to get wet. You want to get wet because you have a personal relationship with Jesus. And the class is simply today to confirm that. But you don't go to the class today to become saved or to become a member of the body of Christ or or a member of this church. Paul was called by God to be this apostle which he was by the very moment of Christ's declaration. The word called means this. One who has been invited Past tense. He has been appointed. Someone who has been asked by Jesus Christ. It's the invitation that has gone out. And the word apostle is the word to be sent. That's all that that word means. An apostle. A sent one. Somebody who's been sent. A One that we would say is an ambassador representing a nation or a kingdom. He's one that has been sent to a country or to a a place to present or represent the land in which he comes from. He's an apostle of heaven, as it were, apostle of God, apostle of Christ. He represents the gospel. In the New Testament sense, it's one who officially is commissioned by Christ with miraculous powers, one that is sent. But listen, you or I may or may not have miraculous powers given to us by the Holy Spirit. That's his business. I've seen people prayed for and they're dramatically healed or maybe you shared the gospel with someone and conversion takes place. That's a miracle. That's awesome. But in the sense that you and I are all apostles in the sense that we are sent ones out to a world. We may not be like Paul, but we're sent to our communities. We're sent to our places. You and I are sent ones. Why? Because there's a, a calling upon our lives that's a specifically purposed calling. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if you're a believer today, you need to ask yourself, what is my specific purpose as a Christian? It's a very important thing. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, the Bible tells us love has been completed or perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, that is as Jesus is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love because what? Perfect love casts out fear. That's our marching orders. And right now, every one of us today can determine because God has specifically purposed you and I to the life that we live. Listen, friends, you are not in the situation, listen, you are not in the situation you are in by accident if you're a Christian. There are no accidents in the lives of Christians. You have been specifically purposed. Well, I don't like the way it's going. Well, who asked you? You and I are slaves to Jesus. We are to see him where we're at. Are you healthy? Are you struggling? Are you financially off? Are you financially not off? It- Listen, are you a Christian? Yes, this I know for sure. Then your life for this moment is specifically purposed. And the greatest thing that you and I can do right now is to see that God has sent you and I into the world at a time like this.
0: You're listening to Real Life with Pastor Jack Hibbs. You know, to hear more episodes and maybe catch up in the series, just go to jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. And for now, let's get back to our teaching. Once again, here's Pastor Jack.
1: I've seen people go about changing their specific purpose in life without God. Christians. Why is it that 78% of people, by the way, who win the lotto nationwide wind up having a destroyed life on drugs, alcohol, broken marriages, divorce, messed up, ruined lives after they win all that money? Why? Because it was something that they were not purposed to have. And I've seen Christians who are, okay, maybe they're not well-known, maybe they're not wealthy, maybe they have no seemingly uh, obvious power, and then they push doors down that God has said, don't go through those, but they push the doors down that they think is for a better life, and their home is ruined, their kids are gone, their life is miserable, and they come either back to this church or some church, and their life is a shambles because they thought better, they thought different, they thought, I can... I can specifically purpose something in my life. But God's the one who called you. And you didn't ask us if we'd be happy about it. There's tragedies and there's difficulties that take place. These things have not escaped the hand of God. Are you a Christian? Yes, I am. Then whatever's going on in your life right now is for a very specified purpose. God loves you. And he never wrote in the Bible. Now understand this. How much, look, I'll confess for me, how much of what's going on in my life do I understand? Very little. It has to be that way for my life. How can I come up here and talk to you about faith if I understood everything? There's so much that's got to be determined. Lord, I don't get it. But you got it. And I'm gonna rest in you. Paul was called An apostle in Matthew 10, 16, Jesus says, behold, I send you out. How many of you can hear me? Raise your hand. Jesus says to you this morning, I send you out. Look at that verse. I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. You know what's interesting about that in the actual Greek? As sheep means you're not a sheep, means you're a human, created in the image of God. But Jesus says, I'm going to send you out like sheep go out and wolves eat them up. The interesting thing about wolves, when he says wolves, he means wolves (laughs) in this sense. You are like a lamb, defenseless. I'm sending you out into the world. Oh, thanks, Jesus. Do I get a hand grenade or anything with that? Nope. And there's going to be wolves out there and they're going to come and bite you. Therefore, be wise as serpents. As, you're not a snake. He says, be like. A serpent's smart. They don't have any legs, but they're able to get out of the way. And harmless as doves. You're not a dove, but you're supposed to be as harmless as a dove. Jesus says, I'm sending you out, Christians. In fact, during the entire teaching of 1 Corinthians, I'm going to try to end every service by challenging you with these words. With what you've just learned, now get out. I'll, I'm, I'll, say, it, I'll say it affectionately. But I'm going to say, now get out. <laughs> Why? Because Jesus said, Go. Because you're a sent one. Number two, it's this. We are the servant ones. And look what it says there. It says, an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. This is great. Paul is saying, can you imagine? This is how we think in our modern day mind. We think in this way. Here comes a servant of God. There's blinking lights, police motorcade, limousines pulling up, cameras going off. Who's this? It's a servant of God. The doors open up entourage. Can you imagine Paul pulling up in 12, 13, 15 black donkeys, antennas on the rump? Paul get, all these guys get out with black leather robes. Okay. Paul's about ready to get out. Paul's about ready to get out. Here it comes, servant of God. Here comes the servant of God. And then this little guy, this little Jewish guy, the Bible tells, I mean, history tells it's bow-legged. Ball-headed, bull-legged, big hooked nose, eyes real uncomfortably close together. He was not pleasant to look at. The guy gets out. <laughs> Can you imagine? No, he's a servant of God. And we are servants of God. There's not to be an entourage. We're servants. And it's through the will of God. Well, you say, well, what does that look like? Oh, I don't know. How did God send his son into the world who is the servant of all? God the Son was born in a cave in Bethlehem. Why not the Jerusalem Hilton? There was no room for them in the end. He was born in a slobbery or placed in a snot-covered, slobber-infested, probably no doubt lined with hay manger. A manger is a trough where you feed animals. And that's where God comes to earth. His servant, we're servants. And Paul says, this has happened to me by the will of God. I've been called by the will of God to serve you, Paul says. And if God called Paul to serve, has he not called us to serve? Should we not target people to serve? Isn't it amazing that our city has asked us to serve the community? Even the the mayor's office gets it. (laughs) Hey, church. Church. Serve the community. Will you be our disaster relief coordinators? What an honor. They see Christ in you. They see Jesus in your life. Many of you have taken the call and responded where you receive these packet thingies uh, that the youth or the adult ministry has, the young adults, I should say, have, and uh, give... Aid to those that are on the side of the freeway off ramps. Serving. You guys are amazing. Did you guys know that when we have sign ups for stuff, when the youth are doing a car wash thing, did you know that you guys pull up and you say, Look, don't touch my car. It's not, it's not dirty, but here's $100 for your cause? You do that. Did you know that when there's a setup or a teardown for an event, you know it's usually done within an hour because you guys respond? You're amazing. You say, Well, thank you, Jack. No, it's this way. It's the word of God in you that's coming out of you. It's pretty cool. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. I shared this with you last week for a little bit. This servanthood appointment of Paul in Romans 8, 15. He says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself. That's the Holy Spirit The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if the children of God, then heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. You guys, I could not probably, if I chose to, I wouldn't have to finish the rest of this sermon. We could stay right in Romans 8, 17. I think you fear that already is that I could do that. Because God says in calling you, you're my baby. You're my kid. And not only are you my kid. But you've come into my family and you will do these things. And what is that? You will serve like my son. You will love like my son. You will put hope and faith and strength and encouragement in other people by the words you speak. You will lift up others because you've been adopted into the family of God. And when it's all said and done in the end, imagine this. God is going to recognize you and I in eternity as being joint heirs with Christ. Do you understand that? Listen, do you really? I don't. How in the world or how out of this world am I and you, we together, going to be recorded as joint heirs with Christ? The word that God gave literally means that whatever Christ owns, you're going to (laughs) own. I don't want to own anything in heaven. I just want to be there.
0: Pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs. Here on Real Life Radio with his message called What Jesus Christ Sees in His Church, Part 2. We're glad you joined us today. You know, this message is part of Pastor Jack's series called First Corinthians. It's a series on the Corinthian Church and the Apostle Paul's bold call for purity. And we'll continue on the next edition of Real Life Radio.
1: Hey, this is Jack Hibbs here, and I want to encourage you to get our brand new book, Living in the Days of Deception. This book is specifically written to help you and I navigate these very deceptive times. Here's a special offer. Yes, it is available wherever books are sold. However, right here at JackHibbs.com, if you order it here with us, you will get and only get right here four video teachings where I address certain aspects of the book with you personally. And so we look forward to you getting your own copy, Living in the Days of Deception right here at jackhibbs.com
0: and you can get the four exclusive bonus teachings as well. Living in the Days of Deception by Jack Hibbs is available for a gift of any amount at jackhibbs.com days. That's D-A-Z-E, days. Once again, jackhibbs.com D-A-Z-E. You know, Jack Hibbs truly believes that we are living in some of the most exciting days in history, which brings some great opportunities to share with the world a powerful, no-nonsense presentation of the gospel to this generation, who, by the way, are really searching for answers and for truth. Will you stand with us in sharing this message in real and practical ways? We ask that you commit to support real life and the teachings of Jack Hibbs with a gift of your choosing. Simply go to jackhibbs.com. There you'll find instructions on how to give a one-time gift or a recurring gift. If you'd prefer to call, here's that phone number, 877-777-2346. One more time, 877-777-2346. Your gift will be faithfully put to work because it's our desire that through Jesus Christ, you will know real life. This program is made possible by the generous contributions of you, our listeners. Visit us at jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. Until next time, Pastor Jack Hibbs and all of us here at Real Life Radio wish for you solid and steady growth in Christ and in His Word. We'll see you next time here on Real Life Radio.